Hi friends, welcome to Reading Minds, where ordinary people talk about extraordinary books. I know this book club episode is getting to you pretty late. As you'll discover, we recorded this exactly a month ago. But I'm hoping that once you hear my little bit of news I shared at the beginning, it'll all make sense. Today we're talking about our January book, which we all picked together, A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. Enjoy! We all have been up for What is good morning in German? Well, Guten Morgen. Some of us haven't been. (laughs) Yeah, so Uh, it sounds like, well, I don't know. I don't know how to start this out, but it's like February 9th when we're recording this, and this is our book for January, so we are behind, (laughs) but it's fine. Well, there's been a lot of stuff going on, though, in in January. I feel like we should just air out the dirty laundry. We all read this book, like, in the past 24 hours. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I read it all this morning. Guys, we read a book in, like, less than a day. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. It's pretty, it's pretty good. We're, we're fine. (laughs) Right on. (laughs) And it was only 20 pages, but. No, I read some of it. I read most of it last night, and then I read, like, the last act, which really is just the play within the play, <laughs> and I was so confused. <laughs> yeah. That's why I read it all last night, because I figured if I split it up, I'd be really confused. Yeah, that's why I did it all this morning. <laughs> um, I guess by, like, I don't know, I can't talking real sentences right now um as an announcement i guess and i think most like this isn't news to you guys but to our listeners maybe that i am pregnant (laughs) so my reading life has like taken a turn for the worst right now but it's fine i read this book and that's about it lately (laughs) yeah you said that reading makes you kind of nauseous, right? Or you're just kind of nauseous in general? Yeah, it's just kind of hard to focus on, like, little words, I guess. Um, screens haven't been that bad, though, which is weird, because I feel like it should go the other way, where screens would make me nauseous and books would be fine, but no. I've watched a lot of Friends lately. Ooh. That's what I've been doing with my life. So, so Annie's pregnant exciting yay so then yeah well there's just been life like there's been a lot going on so um Susie what's going on what's going on with you um I am getting ready for my audition for grad school it's very scary I'm applying to get my master's in vocal performance and yeah so I've been singing a lot (laughs) and it's been good um, let's see, nothing else is really new except for just, like, getting, putting the pedal to the metal and, like, singing for, like, two and a half hours a day. But, yeah, Shannon, how is med school? Um, it's fine. <laughs> I mean, so I, we started a new class, you know, with the new year, <laughs> um, and that's what I've been doing the past month is this new class, and actually, <laughs> this coming week is my final for it. So that's exciting that it's almost done, um, but it's just been about, you know, learning about microbes and how they suck and how to fix it, essentially. That's, that's, that's the, the short, <laughs> that is the short Shannon, of it. what's a microbe? Um, but it's actually really fun. As a med <laughs> student, you kind of come up with ways to help supplement your knowledge just because sometimes, like, class isn't always enough. And so for micro, we use this resource called Sketchy. And it's really funny because they always, um, so like Sketchy Micro, for example, they'll do this sketch about like the specific microbe, like Staph aureus, and they'll tell you a bunch of different like little things. And each video has like a theme to it. And it's really funny because a lot of them are literary based. So 
one of the videos I watched was um, about a drug, metrazide. I can't pronounce them. Don't ask me to. But um, it, it, the the video was called like Murder on the Metro Express, and it was supposed to be off of like Murder on the Orient Express. So you know it was like all like Poirot themed and had like Hercule solving the crime of like, you know, fixing like using the drug to fix everything. It was just really funny. And like they have Star Wars ones, and there's like a Harry Potter one, and it's just like hilarious. And it just made me think of book club because of all the books that they like use. And they did like a Lord of the Rings one. It's just so funny. That I love actually kind of sounds fun. <laughs> but that's about that's about it. Yeah, they're actually really fun. <laughs> so, speaking of supplementing your knowledge, if you ever read, which you all should, listeners, read a Shakespeare book. There are great YouTube videos out there. So honestly, like, did you guys look up stuff immediately after you finished reading the book? Because I did. Oh, yeah. Um, no. But that's because it was 1 <laughs> o'clock in the morning when I finished, it's so I went to bed. Like, that's fair. It's <laughs> around, like, 10.45 in the morning, and we started recording around, like, 10.15. And at 9.50, I was looking at Spark Notes, at, like, the plot overview and YouTube videos. And then once I yeah. read that, everything kind of clicked and was like, oh... <laughs> Yeah. See, I was actually really proud of myself because I feel like in the past, the only other time I've read Shakespeare has been when I was in high school, which was a long time ago now. Mm -hmm. I feel old now. Um, But I read Macbeth and Romeo and Juliet, and I struggled with both of those just because it was just, like, really confusing, and there was, like, a lot of different stuff happening, and I don't know. It just didn't make a lot of sense to me. But I feel like now is... And like older adult, I actually was tracking the story mm-hmm. a lot more than I thought I would be. Um, there was just like one or two areas that I, of the story that I was like, "What yeah. the heck is going on here?" But other than that, I like felt like I understood what was going on, which I was like very surprised by. Yeah, I think at least for me, it's a lot easier now, like not having to read Shakespeare for class, because mm-hmm. then there's this freedom yeah. to fail. <laughs> So, like, when I'm reading for class, I am always, like, trying to make sure that I'm reading everything correctly and understanding each little word that sometimes I miss the overall, like, meaning of the sentence. But when I'm reading for myself, I just kind of, I don't know, not skim, but I kind of just put all the words together, even if they don't make sense. And I can Mm -hmm. generally get the meaning out of that, even if I don't understand every single thing they're saying. And I think it's just because reading for pleasure is a lot like, there's a lot less pressure, <laughs> so I think that has to do a little bit with yeah. I that. know for me, there's, like, seems to be three different areas of the book. It's, you know, the couples that are interchanging, and then the mm-hmm, fairies, mm-hmm. and then this play, and honestly, as I was reading through it, the play part, I did not know why it was in this book mm-hmm. until, like, the very end. So I kind of relate to that, where you're reading these scenes about this play. It's obviously a play, kind of, but yeah, I don't get that to a couple pages in. And yeah, if I had been in school, I would have been like, oh my gosh, like I missed some huge thing. Which honestly, not a huge thing, but I did miss why the play existed. So I understood like two-thirds right. of the book. And then at the very end, when they were performing this play <laughs> for like Theseus... Um, like, for his marriage and that kind of stuff, I was like, oh, okay, that's why the play existed. But the whole book, I had no idea. Like, I had no idea. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the book that we read is A Midsummer Night's Dream, since we haven't said that once (laughs) on this episode yet. So, just so you know, that's what we're talking about. (laughs) Um, Oh, and our drinks this morning, we kind of just decided to do a free-for-all because we were all scrambling to read the book. (laughs) so and we had no one directing it because we kind of chose this book together this month so we had no one like telling us hey you should do this drink (laughs) so So all of us were like oh well yeah kind of just fell by the wayside (laughs) um Um, so shannon do you want to go first Mm -hmm. as you're taking a drink i'm sorry (laughs) so i tried to kind of make it sort of with the theme 
But you have to understand, this play, while written by Shakespeare, does not take place anywhere close to England. It's like in Greece or something, mm-hmm. in Athens. So did it's, you, I mean, it's nowhere close it was based to in England. Greece, but it also had, like, Renaissance themes, which are different time periods. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> well, and I'll, yeah. I'll get to that, but... Um, so my drink, I have, I'm having coffee, but <laughs> I used my Nespresso, like, last time, or I guess two times ago, but, um, it's a, uh, Indian blend, like, from mm. India, the country, and that's kind of a shout-out to, like, um, one of the scenes in the book, or, yeah, the play, where they talk about an Indian changeling child, which we'll get to that, and that was the part that I was really confused by, but I think I understand it now. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, Indian, cool. And then I also put Bailey's in it, because I like Bailey's, and that's Irish, so like UK, right? Irish, I'm close. Places. And then my mug, you know, <laughs> my mug is, um, I got it a while ago, and it's like a Scorpio mug, because that's like what I am or whatever, so... Um, yeah, that's like Ocean. Greek, sort of. <laughs> I love so, how yeah. you try to connect it. You tried more I tried. than I did. I really tried. Yeah, you tried and more I than me. I also have coffee, um, and it has uh, cream in it, which is not connected to Greece. <laughs> but the only way I can think of to connect it to this book is that I have oh. it in a Yeti, which is a company made for the outdoors. And much of this book happens in the woods. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> this is bad. This is bad. I'm not even going to try to connect mine. So I'm drinking tea and it's... Um, what kind? It's really good, actually. It's Shannon called Shannon and I can wine. connect it. And like, since oh. I can't drink oh. right now, since I can't drink right now, this is like, this is, this is making me very happy. Um, it's by a company called Wittered. I, I can connect called. it. I, I can know. connect it to the book. It, it'll be linked. in a way that Shannon and I. So okay, go it for opens it. with discussing a new marriage between the Amazon Queen and Theseus. Marriages have wine, like when Jesus changed water to oh wine at a wedding, which oh is in the olden gosh. times where this book is based. I mean, what is the tea company? Oh, it's from the UK. There you go. Oh, it works. It's it's fine. <laughs> but yeah, that's what my first thought was. I was like, oh, England tea. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, we did it. They, we tried, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys want to um, do your sentences, or do you want to do the plot first? Let's do the plot first because if you don't know what's going on, our sentences are going to make zero sense <laughs> he'll make as yeah. much sense and as we're not going to spend a bunch of time on the plot just because that's not what this podcast is for it's for us to talk about anything else <laughs> um, <laughs> so i don't even know so at the beginning of this book there is this couple the duke and his i guess fiance and their names are Theseus, Theseus and Hippolyta. Hippolyta. I have no I idea how to Hippolyta. say that. I did Hippolyta. I don't know. I think that's Hippolyta. actually how it's pronounced because that's how they pronounce it in Thug Notes, right? Yeah. What was it? Not that that's always accurate. Hippolyta. Hippolyta. That sounds way better than Hippolyta. <laughs> no. Hippolyta. No, I thought it was the same thing, Annie, so. Hippo. <laughs> so they're engaged and they're getting married in four days, is that right? Soon. And then... There's a girl named, try to, you can pronounce this for Hermia. me. Hermia? Her, Hermia? Hermia? Oh, it's Hermia. Hermia. It's Hermia and Helena. Yeah. Hermia So Hermia and Helena. wants to get and married Demetrius to. And Lysander. Right. So Hermia wants to get married to Lysander, but her father doesn't like him and wants her to get married to Demetrius. Demetrius. That's the normal name. I know how to say that one. <laughs> to Demetrius. Um. But also, there's a girl named Helena who's in love with Demetrius. So we've got already kind of this love triangle thing going on. What is on. it, like a quadrangle? Quadrangle? I call like, it a pentagon because it also changes. <laughs> oh, love <man>. square. 
Hermia, Hermia does not like Demetrius. Hermia likes Lysander, and Lysander likes Hermia, and right. Demetrius also likes Hermia, and Helena likes Demetrius, but Demetrius does not like Helena. It's like a triangle with a little, like, line going off the end. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not a good shape. Nope. Um, so anyway, Hermia and Lysander run away together because they're not allowed to get married. And then someone else take it from here. Fairies. <laughs> so, like, now we're done talking about them for the time being. Now we completely, like, introduce completely new cast, essentially, to this next scene. And do we start out first with the fairies or do we go to the play? The fairies? Okay. So this was the part to me that was, like, confusing, but um, I think it makes more sense now. So... Essentially, you have a king fairy named Oberon, if that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. Um, and then... That's how I okay, said good, it. It makes me feel better. And then <laughs> t- t- Titania? Titania? I don't know how to say her I name. I think it's Titania. Titania. She's the yeah. queen of the fairies. Oh, I said Titania. T- and this is where it gets confusing. So Oberon's like, yo, I want you, Titania, to give me a changeling child, which, like... A changing child just, and this is like the interesting thing is when I watched Spark Notes after I read it, it made sense. Changing child in like, you know, Irish and Gaelic and English like lit is essentially like, you know, they believed that there was fairies and that if their kid was like sick, it's because they had a changing child given to them. So essentially like this like sick kid, Mm -hmm. they would like go take it to like the fairies knoll. In hopes that the fairies would give them back their child and take the, their like fairy changeling child, so essentially like he's like wanting a like human kid. I don't know. It was like kind of weird. And she was like, and like they talked about this Indian boy. So did you guys like understand that better? That like she um already had an Indian she- kid or what? It sounded like she already had one at that point. I don't think she already had one. It's my understanding, this is just from the, purely the YouTube video, is that uh, Titania didn't want to kidnap a child because, like, a changeling child is going and literally changing the children, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to do that. And then this caused this, like, rift between Oberon and Titania and that's when Oberon um, was talking to his servant, Puck, and he was like, go get this magical flower that will put the juice on Titania's eyes, and she'll immediately fall in love with the first thing she sees. And his plan was to have her fall in love with the child. But then, and then um, at this moment also, Demetrius comes like running through the woods in front of him, and uh, mm-hmm. Helena is running behind. I thought, wait, 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 hold up. I thought... I thought the plan was actually for her to fall in love with, like, whatever yeah. beast she saw. So, like, an ox or a snake or something bad is kind of what I, re- I read. Kind of like to get, I think it's to get back at her. Because because this also enters kind of like, uh, so this scene has a lot of groups. Because there's the Demetrius running, there's the band of people, like craftsmen laborers yeah trying to practice a play it's a big wood it's a big and wood. and there's the fairies yeah. like all in this same spot in the woods so there's people coming mm-hmm. and going yeah and the whole play is just one night too which is something important to remember that it's all just happening mm-hmm. it's a midsummer's night yes yeah so so um post oberon hatching this plot um, Titania goes away to, you know, like, get ready for bed, and Demetrius and Helena come in, and she's like, yo, I really love you, Hermia's trying to throw you over, why don't you just, like, ditch her and get with me, and he's like, you disgust me, mm-hmm. I don't like you, you're ugly, yeah. basically, and Oberon sees that and feels really bad for Helena, and so he tells his servant, as well as, like, putting the drops, like, he's like, okay, give me half, I'll put it in Titania's eyes, you go and put it in that guy's eyes so he'll love this girl who really likes him. Yeah. And then this is where all the confusion happens because they wake up and here is like through mischievous 
and pranking and people looking at the wrong people and understanding the wrong thing. It's like Demetrius wakes up and he immediately sees Helena. Where does Lysander wake up first? Demetrius wakes up. I think Lysander goes first. So they, so Puck gets, Puck gets confused and puts the drops in Lysander's eyes instead of Demetrius's eyes. Right, because they're running away. Right. So Lysander wakes up and immediately sees Helena. So now we have both Demetrius and Lysander in love with Helena. Well, so what ha- so so Lysander wakes up and sees Helena because he doesn't see Hermia. So then he's in love with her and she's like, "What the heck? This is ridiculous." And then like Puck later sees mm-hmm. so Oberon and Puck later see them and like is like, "You gave it to the wrong guy. Like what are you doing?" cuz Demetrius still loves Hermia and not yeah. Helena. And so he's like, "Fix it, you idiot." So so Puck goes back and then puts the drops in Demetrius's eyes like once he falls asleep and then he wakes up and sees Helena. So now like the, the it's completely opposite now. Now both guys are in love with Helena and not Hermia. Yeah. And no one is happy because Helena thinks that they're just making fun of her. Yeah. Even though she wants Demetrius to love her, the fact mm-hmm. that he had a sudden change of heart, she's like, "No, like you're just making fun of right. me." And now like Hermia's upset, Helena's upset, and Lysander and Demetrius yep. are enchanted. <laughs> okay, but in the meantime, like while this is happening, we had like what is a Titania? She's going to bed, so she goes to bed, and then these people are like practicing their play. And what is the guy's name? The like lead guy? Bottom. Bottom. So Bottom is like really like, and these are just like all tradesmen. Like one's like what a merchant or something. They like yeah. they're like a bunch of like tradesmen essentially, and they want to put mm-hmm. on this play for the king's or for the duke's. Sorry, for the duke's wedding essentially. Like they want to do something for it because it's going to be a big festival festivity whatever mm-hmm. so they make up this they like do this play about like two lovers who like can't be with one another kind of like romeo and juliet basically it is he kills himself because he thinks she's dead yeah. and then she kills herself because she sees he's dead but um this is the play so they're practicing this play and bottom is the lead character he's the guy which i can't remember the guy's name but whatever so he is the guy who um puck sees and is like oh ha 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 this would be like so funny if, like, Titini fell in love with him. So he, like, somehow makes him have, like, a donkey's head. Um, and I don't know if this is, like, an actual transformation where he just, like, put a donkey's head on the guy and, like, made it stick or something. And then Titini wakes up and sees him with the donkey head and falls in love with him and, like, has her fairy maidservants wait on him hand and foot and they're, like, in love and whatnot. Um, so that's happening at the same time as all of this. And supposedly Oberon gets his changing child while, like, she's, like, enamored or something. Yeah. Supposedly, according to Sparknotes. Um, and... Yeah, this... All of this, like, round and round, and, like, this is happening, and that is happening, and that's happening yeah. to that person, is why most of the times when you're reading this, you're like, uh... What? What? And, <laughs> um, and then Oberon's like, okay, I think we've punished her enough. But, oh, my gosh, you still haven't fixed the mess that you made with, like, the other characters. So he's like, Puck, go put juice in Lysander's eyes to, like, reverse the love spell so that he loves Hermia again. While I, you know, put the juice in Titania's mm-hmm. eyes so she doesn't love this donkey anymore. Mm-hmm. So they do that. They fix the mess. And does someone want to take over now? So the mess is fixed. And then uh, literally... Theseus and Hippolyta come back in. Like, they've been gone this whole time. They haven't been yeah. in the play. And then... And they, like, show show up, and they bring everyone back to Athens. And then at this, like, big group wedding, um, where it's, like, Theseus marries Hippolyta. Yeah. Demetrius marries Helena. And Hermia marries Lysander. They perform the play. That was throughout. And that's the end. The end of the play is the end of the play. Yeah, yeah it's the end of the whole play. So this is my kind of like, yeah. my discussion question might fit in here. So it's not a very deep one, but we all did theater, right? Obviously, it'd be easier to understand this if you saw it. So it's like, how do you guys think this play would be staged? Because none of us have seen it before, right? 
So kind of like just like a fun, like, let's imagine. I would imagine it kind of all in like a forest and there's groups of trees. Because apparently it looks like people can't see each other sometimes. But they're all there. I would imagine the set would be like really like erythreal, you know, with like twinkly lights and stars and yeah. stuff. Because like most of it's at night. Um, and I think it would make much more sense because it would be clearly divided. Like the cast would leave and then new people would come on. And I think it would be clear like what's going yeah. on. And then also, who <laughs> would you want to play oh, in this play? Oh, man. Uh, I would say Hermia or Helena. I liked Bottom a lot. I mean, I know he's a guy, but... Remember, guys always did the girl part. Yeah, I'll, yeah, yeah, a guy was a girl, so... We can reverse that, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I, I mean, if we're just talking about favorite characters, like, I really yeah. liked him, so... Yeah. yeah. If I got to pick whoever yeah. I wanted. I kind of <laughs> like how he seems to be, like, the whole thing was very comedic, but him especially was, like, the comedic, I don't even know. What was interesting about this play is that if it if it had been a drama, I feel like there would have been a lot more, like, tension. Like, who's going to end mm-hmm. up with who or, like, what's, what's going to happen? But honestly, it was so lighthearted the whole time that I never felt this, like, urgency oh my Mm -hmm. gosh yeah like urgency that you would do maybe even like Romeo and Juliet if you didn't know the story Mm -hmm. because even if even though I know the story of Romeo and Juliet literally when like the messages are all getting confused and they don't get it and they're like killing themselves I'm like ah yeah just get the message yeah there's not a sense of frustration with the characters because it's so but I also but I also think that Shakespeare understands like he almost like satirically makes fun of tragedies Mm -hmm. as well like his own tragedy in the play yeah I thought that was really funny yeah right and he kind of just takes very serious themes because even with the fairies like back then they weren't supposed to be funny like they were a very serious kind of scary idea so he's even taking yeah. that and making that lighthearted and well comedic. and that's what i thought was funny because like once i watched the spark notes video about like the changeling child i was like oh this is like totally something that like people who lived out in the country in like scotland and ireland and england like believed like they thought that was true right that was part of they didn't their know anything folklore and mythology yeah, yeah which i was like dude that's like actually really mm-hmm. cool that they included that and somehow wove that into this what I thought was interesting is Puck is part of, like, um, like English mythology, even though this was set in Greece. So they kind of yeah. tied a lot of different things together. Or, I guess... Well, I think Shakespeare, Shakespeare also did. knew his audience. Yeah. You know, he was a patron of the monarchy of England. And so right. sometimes, too, he threw in things about the current monarch right. or... Like through them a bow and just talked about the political Right, or just things that or, his audience would understand that don't necessarily yeah. fit in exactly with the setting like that. Yeah. But honestly, it doesn't really bother me Mm-mm. with Shakespeare. Me neither. I think in modern day plays or s- novels that are written currently, people would be like, no, like that's a part of Irish mythology. No, that's right. a part of this. But with Shakespeare, we're honestly like, cool right you're like adding it all in and i think especially for this kind of play which is purely a comedy we don't expect there to be any kind of historical accuracy which we are expecting more and more of movies and films and plays that come out today yeah cool i mean it was just interesting how i mean even like theseus and hippa or hippolita that hippolyta hippolyta (laughs) Um, like, even those two characters, they're well-known in Greek mythology. I mean, she was the Amazon queen, and he, like, was the guy who went through the maze with Ariadne's string to, like, with the minotaur Mm -hmm. and stuff. Like, that was him. So, it's just, like, interesting how you're just, like, taking these characters and, like, putting them in this completely different situation Mm -hmm. that, like, isn't in Greek mythology. It's just really interesting, and, like, that's, like, really fun, getting to use characters who've been around for a long time Mm -hmm. and putting them in a completely weird situation you know yeah i don't know i like does that. it ever make you feel like well educated when you realize these things <laughs> for a like, second yes, it does but it. then realizing that everybody <laughs> watching this play when it was written probably understood that like right off the bat 
makes me feel like, oh, maybe I'm just stupid. <laughs> so, yes and no. <laughs> That's no. not fair, Annie. We, there's pop culture. <laughs> just kidding. Um, there was less to know back then because less had been written over no. time. Well, no, no. no, but I mean, think about it. Like, so we view shows like even friends, they have pop culture references. Right. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is that back then, this, this was, like, was pop culture yeah. references. Yeah. This was people talked mm-hmm. about, everyone knew Greek mythology. Yeah, because I mean, it that's wasn't what you something learned. you saw out, it was something you just knew. That's like what, what, that's what people would learn that when they went to Cambridge and stuff. They would like learn theology yeah. and they would also like learn mythology and would read philosophical mm-hmm. works. Like, right. That's what they did. So. I kind of wish college was structured a little bit more that way. Like, I got Chop. a liberal arts degree, Mm-mm. so it was. But honestly, though, like, it was cool how if you went to Cambridge or even Harvard or those colleges of old, you would just go to college and you would become right. a well-rounded, educated person. You would learn mathematics and science and well, theology. But also, back, no, back in those days, college was more for... Um, like, you yeah. would be a doctor, a lawyer, or a theologian, and that's what you would go to college mm-hmm. for. There's not this expectation that we have today where people go to college yeah. to just learn. Their high school would be a lot more at our college level because yeah. that was what was – and I not agree. everybody yeah. graduated high school. So Well, and the interesting yeah. thing as you bring that up is, like, what? When is this, like, 1500, 1600? I don't even – I don't remember where he Middle wrote ages. all these plays. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, you look to, like – the you look to like the 1800s England and in the 1800s Cambridge at that point was still like that kind of school where it was still, you know, like very much so we read the classics, we read theology. Like this is what you get when you come here. Even if you don't go into that kind of career, like you get a lot of politicians and stuff going out of Cambridge. It wasn't until like Prince Albert was like, Hey, we've had like a lot of diseases break out like cholera. We need like bright minds coming from the school to go into science. We need to emphasize that that really schools started switching that mindset of, like, the classics and stuff to, like, also incorporating science and math. And that wasn't until the 1800s, so. Yeah. One thing that I kind of missed about being a liberal arts major is that, yes, I took some science classes, and, yes, I took, like, I only had to take one math class, Mm -hmm. was actually I missed the the more advanced sciences. I wasn't even allowed to take them because I wasn't a science major. So I almost wish that, like, you could go on the other side. Right. You know, I got all the classics. No, you don't. I <laughs> Italian Renaissance. No, but, like, no, you don't. I, feel, I don't feel as well-rounded as I could be because I'm so heavy right. on, like, music and literature and history, which is all good. But, like, I wish I could have taken organic chemistry or right. that kind it's of stuff. It's because there's this expectation for us to be specialized, like, probably earlier than we should be. Like, kids are getting more specialized in high school. So, like, they'll focus on, you know, certain classes that'll take them into a certain career field, and they don't really get, like, a broad education. And they don't know, like, I don't know that much about the sciences because I didn't need that for what my career was going to be in. And, I don't know, we just miss out on a lot of deep thinking because we don't have all of these classes. Okay. So the world was very different during William Shakespeare's time. This was written in 1595. Some people say it was 1596. Um, And then it was published officially in 1600, the year 1600. So we were about Um, right with our guests earlier. We were really right. And then there um, are some paintings that were done like 200 years later, literally depicting all the magic and stuff by William Blake. Oh. Yeah. The internet tells you things. It like has Oberon, Titania and Puck and the fairies oh, like cool. being all mischievous. And that was done in 1786. But yeah, cool. I was a nice, you know, tangent about the olden times and today's times. I'll see if I can nice. link yeah. the art stuff in the description. That would be cool. Yeah. There also is a out. painting of Hermia and Helena. There's a lot of paintings. Okay. Yeah, but let's do our sentences. (laughs) Yeah, and since we've already gone over the plot, like, we should be able to just, like, bullet point through them, I guess. I don't know if that is a real saying, but it makes sense. (laughs) So I'll just start out. Mine is, 
In this comedy, Shakespeare creates a constantly shifting love triangle set spinning in part by mischievous fairies and leaves the audience wondering what was real and what was merely a dream. Mine was, love is not so easy in this Shakespearean tale, or is it? Read this play to uncover magic potions, love's confusion, and even playception, a play within a play. You may not know what's going on the whole time, but you'll laugh through the whole thing. <laughs> Playception, that was classic. <laughs> um, so mine was, join us as we embark into Shakespeare's take on Greek mythology with forbidden romance, silly plays, donkey heads, and more. Nice. I feel like cool. both of your sentences belong on, like, you know, like, when you are looking up movie times and stuff for the theaters and there's like a quick little sentence overview i feel like that's what i would mm-hmm. see are your sentences for if this was yeah. a movie anyway <laughs> well i mean it is supposed it was supposed to be visual yeah and it would have been i want to see it now i yeah me you too know? Yeah. i want to see it unfold in the grove of athens <laughs> And I think we already talked about my theme a little bit because my theme was taking serious things and making them comical, and we touched on that quite a bit. Yeah, there were a lot of serious themes, but they were so... They were serious, but they also were very lighthearted. And it's kind of like how Shakespeare writes is even if he's saying this crazy thing, it's in, you know, iambic pentameter... And so you're like, aw, it rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> Truth. Um, so my theme was that I saw um, the theme of, like, don't meddle. Because mm-hmm. if Puck and Oberon hadn't meddled, then none of this would have happened. And there wouldn't have been the, like, weird Helena and, like, Hermia mix-up and... <coughs> Maybe they would have left, and maybe she would have mm-hmm. ended up with her. Helena maybe would have ended up with Demetrius after all. We don't know, because he decided to meddle. Do you think that Helena should have meddled then, or not? By telling Demetrius I think that she should have just stayed out of their business and left it alone. Did you guys notice that Demetrius was still underneath a potion? end yeah he still he still loves helena so literally like demetrius is under potion to helena <laughs> and hermia and lysander aren't under potion but it's okay because they're they belong together yeah, right it, okay that's kind of the idea it's like it's okay if you're under a potion yeah. if you really belong yeah. together <laughs> no i just saw the theme of like love out of balance throughout this where mm-hmm. you know it's kind of like Lysander loves Hermia, and Hermia loves Lysander, but Helena loves Demetrius, and Demetrius loves Hermia, and so there's just, like, everything's kind of, like, out of (laughs) balance, and then I kind of noticed that when you see Theseus and Hippolyta, because they seem to be the only two people who are also not in it very often, to be fair, but they're, like, balanced and stable, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they start the play, you know, and they're, like, engaged, and then throughout the whole play no potion or engagement breaks off or anything then they come back up and everything's like normal again and normal for everyone yeah. but Demetrius but that's but, that's because she well that yeah. and it's also because she like actually liked him I mean she actually liked Theseus yeah and she was the queen of the Amazons you don't yeah. go you don't become a man's wife lightly yeah yeah and if you don't know Amazons are female warriors that are just all sea like, Wonder female. <laughs> sea Wonder Not quite as accurate, but sure. Um, but yeah, no. That's just the one thing I point, picked out, was just like, hmm, I wonder what would have happened if everyone just stayed in their business and didn't meddle in other people's business. Do you guys think that this play is a love story? Because I didn't really get that sense. That it was I think it's a rom-com. Like, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I can see that. I think it's a love story between Hermia and Lysander, but nobody else. I think it's a... Yeah. Because from the beginning, we are supposed to be, like, on their side. And then they end I up I think together. this is a classic rom-com. Because you have people in love, mm-hmm. and yeah. then something bad happens, <laughs> and then everyone ends up together at the end. Rom-com. Yeah. It's like the rom-com yeah. formula. Yeah. Apparently, yeah. they got it from Shakespeare. People get a lot of things from Shakespeare. Mm. Yeah. I believe it. Lion King. I believe King. it. <laughs> For real. Lion King 2. <laughs> Shakespeare just had good stories. And, like, not believable, but also mm-hmm. believable. Because he had life in all of his plays. If you were Hermia, what choice would you have made when your father refused to let you marry who you wanted to? Okay. So my gut reaction to that is that I don't know Theseus. Well, know, he's not the dad. But I know my dad. And if my dad literally... It's Eus- oh, yeah. Eusius. 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 Or Aegis. <laughs> I don't know. If my father literally, you're like, you know, figurehead was like, don't marry this guy in today's age, I like probably wouldn't because I like trust family's instinct. I don't know. Like, Lysander seemed like a good guy, though. I mean, there like, was nothing what? wrong with Lysander. He was the exact yeah. same standing as Dem- Demetrius. Demetrius just had a better relationship with her father than Lysander did. There was literally nothing yeah. wrong with him. Honestly, though, when, like, her father it was like, well, you have to become a nun or, like, never marry anyone. That, kind that of was thing, Theseus. Like, and I was like, really? <laughs> really, Theseus? Really? Really? Like, <laughs> You're marrying for love. Why can't you encourage that? I don't know. Um, yeah. I think it would depend on my relationship with my father in that time. Because it's a different time period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe I wouldn't have... Maybe I would have done... Because, like, I mean, he was just doing it for the money. Her dad was just marrying her off to him for the money. And, like, I don't... Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I don't think we really see why why they're paired together. I thought it was just because her dad was yeah. like, this is convenient. He'll pay me money. I don't hate him. I feel like it was just the inciting moment. <laughs> it was just laying the yeah. scene. And I don't think Shakespeare really expounded upon too deeply why certain couples are with other people. Right. I just think there's a difference in expectation between then and now how much say a father should have in someone getting married so would you have done what helen did or helena would you have um you know told demetrius about your friend running away and like leaving him would you have been that person or would you have just like stayed out of it i probably would have told him but also just like with part of my personality like i don't want to hold that kind of thing in like i'm not I mean, I'm a good secret keeper, but if it has to do with, like, a guy that I love, like, I don't know. I would have told. I don't know if I can say why, but I would have told him because I would have hoped, like, hey, they're running off together, so there's no hope. You should just marry me instead. That would be, that would be my motivation. (laughs) I wouldn't say anything, because then I'd be like, oh, he won't have a wife anymore, so. So I'm the only one left. (laughs) Um, and it's not like she was ugly. I mean, people liked her. Just the the guy she liked didn't like her. Poor Helena. Um, what do you, okay, so what what would you have done first? If I, would I have told her? Yeah. Uh, it's so complicated because like in a selfish way, (laughs) you would want to not tell so that they would, Demetrius would love me. Well, that's why I would tell. Well, I don't know. Yeah, then they're going away. But honestly, like, it totally backfired on her because she told him, and then he immediately ran off of ran off to get <laughs> them. Like, like, oh wait, what about me? <laughs> I I probably honestly like okay, this is like if I had vindictive motives. Okay, I probably wouldn't have said anything for a couple of days because then something like could have happened that then they had to get married, that kind of thing. And so they'd be like, look, now you have to marry me. Because apparently there's only two women who are eligible in this entire, like, 
castle setting. <laughs> or Meg. Yep. So literally, I'm also thinking, like, people get burned sometimes. Sometimes you love someone or, like, you want to <laughs> be with so- someone and they don't like you. You don't then, like, she just she didn't want to quit. She, she, loved, she loved Demetrius. But, yeah, I feel like if it was me, I would have, yeah, let it go for a couple of days and then told it. So, knowing that what we've said, how we would have answered... How, like, what do you think her motivation then was? Like, why'd she do it? Why did she think that that would work? I, you know, like, what was her motivation? I think that she told him to hurt him a little. Yeah. And, like, be like, see, now be with me. But, and then he ran off. But I don't know. I, I don't know either. But maybe she was, like pure of heart and just wanted him to be happy I don't know she's a mystery I think that because this because this is a comedy and because I'm not like fluent in Shakespeare I do <laughs> think I'm missing some cues and some background and like yeah like these motivational things because I do think that they're in this play and, yeah. but I didn't necessarily uncover them myself mm-hmm. when I was reading it you know, to, like, really get to the nitty-gritty behind, like, why are they doing this? Like, why is Oberon getting, trying to make Titania mad? Why is, like, they, she telling him, or this or that? I think it's, I take it, it's just a comedy. Yeah. And I'm sure it exists, and I'm sure Shakespeare had a motivation. But at the same time, if I went and saw this in the theater, A, I think it would have been more clear because of the facial expressions. Yeah. And B, also, like, the action moves so quickly that you honestly would just be like, well, now we're watching a play. <laughs> like, Yeah, that's what yeah. I was just thinking. If we saw it live, like if we saw people actually saying the things that are in the script and watching how they interpret mm-hmm. it, yeah. we would have, we would know yeah. why. I also think that like as an actor, you like have the responsibility to find out the interpretation, but at the same time, right. it might be different for different people performing it. Like, you know, if, if Benedict Cumberbatch was performing <laughs> a character, he might interpret it differently than, you know, if Prince Harry was performing a character. I'm just thinking of English people. I kid you not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one, of the, it's one of those things where it's like interpretation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys have a favorite part of the play? I had a favorite part. <laughs> and I didn't know if I do. Did. I liked the... So this is funny because this is actually part, the part Susie thought was confusing. I actually liked. That's why I didn't like it. No, it was the part when the play. So the merchant people were like practicing their play in the woods, and it was really funny to me because okay. they were all like being like, "Oh, like, <laughs> but we don't want it to be scary for the women. Like, they might freak out. So we should have like, this really, really long prologue, just like warning them." That What's like you know like the lion's not actually real and he's not gonna kill anyone you know or like that he will kill one someone but it'll be fine it's not real and <laughs> just like all this stuff <laughs> even though the lion's played by a person even <laughs> even though I thought it was confusing I also really liked that part uh-huh. because everything they were saying and like the prologue and like insert song and dance I don't know like all that kind of stuff I, I thought just thought that was, was hilarious uh-huh. that they had to like try to explain because they feared women would like freak out and like scream and run away <laughs> yes it's funny yeah and I don't know just like those scenes even if you don't really know what's happening they're still funny because of how witty Shakespeare is so there's still like little jokes that you'll get even if you don't get like the big yeah like what is happening in the scene there's still yeah. little funny things which is yeah which makes reading it a lot easier <laughs> yeah my favorite part is when Hermia like realizes that Lysander is now in love with Helena and she's like kind of freaking out about it and then Helena like misinterprets her freaking out as her being in on the whole thing because I was like reading the book and was like okay so now this guy loves this girl what is going on and then Helena's like you're in on it too (laughs) and I just like had to step back and be like what is going on um she said I have a little quote that I saved here um Helena's like lo she is one of this confederacy now I perceive they have conjoined all three to fashion this false sport in spite of me. 
And I just thought it was so funny because nobody knew what was going on. And it's like all just one big misunderstanding that just spiraled out of control. Love it. And I wasn't following all of it, but that part I got and yeah. it was it was a fun moment. I think that because honestly I was slightly confused while I was reading this book that I was really trying just to get my head around it but the parts that I like really liked were just the really really witty comments Mm -hmm. even if I had no idea what was going on I still think Mm -hmm. I just still think it was funny and it was just like how he right rhymes things I'm trying to find one I don't know I can't find them right, right now Yeah, come back to me. <laughs> I'm trying to find it. But, I don't know. I just think he's really witty. <laughs> and I liked it. Mm-hmm. That he is. Yeah. There's a reason that people love him, even though he is kind of difficult to get into if you're not used to reading that that kind of language. It's because he is understandable. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> and funny and clever. I think this is a good play to read because it's short. Mm-hmm. If I were to like read a play by myself without anyone else to talk about it with, I would want to read a short play like this because I think that a lot of his other plays are much longer and there's much more like convolution and plot stuff going on and so it's easy yeah. to kind of like get confused and lost. Whereas if it's only like a short play like this, then you can kind of like I just feel like it's easier to track because there's less stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It all happens very quickly, but it's it's easier to yeah. follow since you know the ending is sooner mm-hmm. than sooner rather than later. Yeah. There's like less things to confuse you over time because there's less. I wonder play. if uh, Dr. Seuss like mm-hmm. Shakespeare. I'm looking at a whole bunch of quotes, and one of these quotes just sounds like a Shakespeare book, like not a Dr. Seuss book. It literally is like, over hill, over dale, through bush, through briar, over park, over pale, through flood, through fire. I do wander everywhere, swifter <laughs> than the moon, and I serve the fairy queen to, to do her orbs upon the green. Like, it literally sounded like a Dr. Seuss book. It sounds like green eggs and ham. It does. Yes. Funny thing is, when I thought of how Susie, if she were to like read this play aloud, what she would sound like. I pictured that voice. It's that good to Susie's know I was right. Dramatic read aloud voice. Yes. Um, I think it would be nice to talk a little bit about yeah, if we use any Shakespeare tools or any tips for oh, reading yeah. Shakespeare. Yeah, kind of tying it back to our yeah. beginning discussion about how we read it. Yeah, so my AP English teacher taught us for especially Shakespeare or, you know, even like Lord of the Rings, books that have a lot of characters and especially characters that have eerily similar names. Like, why have all the girls certain mm-hmm. ages or something? You know, like, they're just similar. It is really nice to have a character list just to print one out or like I just wrote them out really quick, you know, starting out kind of like a map of who loves who. Yeah. And then as you're going through the book and you see all these names because it's is written as a play and you do see their names and their lines you can then be like wait but who who loves who oh this is funny because they don't love each other or like that kind of thing it's it's good to have an outline and then if i was reading this again and if i was honestly paying more attention and not reading it late at night and then early this morning i probably would have written out a general like scene or like grouping guide where it was like there's the fairies there's the people and then there's, like, the craftsmen laborers, and it would have helped me understand it more. So it's kind of like, Shakespeare is definitely worth re- reading. He's really witty, but sometimes you get lost a little bit in the wit and the humor mm-hmm. and how fast-paced it is. So it's kind of nice to, to slow down and definitely. be like, this is who this person is. Yeah. Um and Shannon, I think you did something yeah, similar, I, right? I took the lazy way out. I just um, brought up a list of the characters next to the browser I was reading it on so that I just could flip back and forth so that I wasn't having to scroll all the way back up <laughs> to the character list and all the way back down to where I was reading. 
Um, but I did that just to make sure that whenever I could confuse you, it was usually like, who is this again? Like, why do they matter? And then I would use the character list just to verify, like, who they are. Um, it's funny, though, because I feel like because of having to read so carefully and, like, meticulously in med school, I feel like it's actually helped me better read literature just because I'm used to always having to dissect mm-hmm. everything and try to figure out what it means. Um, so I, like, noticed yeah, yeah. that while I was reading it that I was like, oh, I can, I understand what's going on because, like, I'm, like, reading it closely. I don't know. But um, I also, after, like, this morning, just to recap, just to make sure I wasn't making up what I thought it was about, I, <laughs> I went onto YouTube and I watched um, Spark Notes Midsummer's Night Dream, and it was actually really fun because they uh, did a whole illustration with, like, characters and everything, and they had, like, pictures of all of them, like, illustration-wise. Um, and they just recapped the whole thing and the main points, and so I was like, oh, okay, yeah. I, this makes more sense now. Um, and I also watched some, like, Thug Notes, so. Thug Notes. I can link both of those things you're talking about in the description yeah. if you're interested in reading or watching either of them. Honestly, I might start reading Shakespeare, like plays that I have not read before or have not seen, like I view operas. Because when you go and see an operatic performance, it's expected for you to have a general outline of the story before you go. Mm-hmm. So it's in a foreign language and it's even if it wasn't in a foreign language you're still kind of expected to do that I think that would help me almost like read or view a summary before I read it because then it would maybe make more sense to me okay I'm not sure if that's the best the best way to go about reading literature but I think it's helpful especially if you're not used to the language and if you're not used to Shakespeare it could be very helpful um the way I read it I just kind of let myself read it and absorb as much as I was going to in that I read it like in one sitting this morning so I just let myself read and get gather as much information as I could and I gathered like probably like 75 to 80 percent of it um the ending I think I kind of skimmed through too much so I didn't quite get like who was together at the end and I was expecting there to be like a little recap of them after the play ended but there was nothing in the play. The play ends and the play, the play within the play ends. <laughs> then the actual yeah. play is done at that point too. So yeah. I was confused at that point. But then after I was done, I watched some YouTube videos, right? I watched one YouTube video, the Thug Notes one we were talking about, which is hilarious and I love them. Um, and then I read through the plot overview of Spark Notes, which was really helpful. So, and I don't think there's any shame in using Spark Notes. Like, don't use it instead of reading the book. But yeah. I think using the resources that are available for understanding good literature, like, while you're training yourself to pick up these things as you're reading, I think it's a very valuable tool. So, yeah. No shame. I think it is as well. I would no agree. No shame. And honestly, because I read the Sparks Notes, I can talk about it with a much more comprehensive yeah. educated view because I think if I had done it the way Shannon did which is literally just reading it and then coming in I honestly yeah only got like 70% probably of it I would have been like wait what who are the craftsmen what were they doing again or it was really <laughs> helpful to read the plot and then have it all kind of like fall into place um okay so ratings is that what you're gonna say ratings okay <laughs> Yeah. Um, who wants, or no, editions and ratings. We'll do them at the same time. I bet we all read the same edition. Yeah. I did Project Gutenberg because it's free <laughs> and easy to access. Same. I didn't read that one. I read it on the library. Oh, Maybe. I did, I did, I did Gutenberg. So I'm with Annie. Yeah. I read A Midsummer's Night's Dream and it's the Duke Classics and it was published in 2012 like re you know republished it was originally pledged way before but yeah it's not the project gutenberg one Hmm. got it from the library for free what was hard with the project gutenberg is that they kept some of the older spellings which made it i think a little harder for me to get into it was 
it was fine once I kind of figure out the patterns of things because I think there were I's instead of J's and V's and, or U's instead of V. I don't know, just a couple of things like that that made words look a lot different than they normally do. Um, yeah, I think because mine was published in 2012, it had updated Yeah, spellings, that would be nice. Which made it easier to read, probably. Yeah. yeah. But I did, I, um, I still love Project Gutenberg as a, an organization, so they're awesome. I noticed that it's easier for me to skim things when it's on my iPad, so if I read it again, I think I would try to read it in print to, like, absorb it. I also think I just was reading it fast because it was, like, really late. <laughs> and I was tired. That's why I but... woke up and did it, because there's there's no way I could actually understand things at night. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Um, so, who would like to start off the ratings? I guess that's me. There was a nose-goes, and I lost. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, we did it, like, so simultaneously. That was kind of perfect. Good job. Thank you. For you. So I'm giving it four stars. Um, I don't know, and I was debating between this and five stars because it was just so funny and so well-crafted and so... It's just everything. It's so good. But I think... It's almost, I think, a preference thing, which is why I'm giving it four and not five, because... Othello is my favorite Shakespeare play that I've read because I really like the dark tragedies. So I think it's just more those are my style. And I like that uh, like style of Shakespeare better than the comedies. But I don't know. It, they're just so good. But four and a half, <laughs> if I can do that. <laughs> well, my rating is I would give it a four. Yeah, I also was kind of debating between like a four and a five. Um, I really liked it. It was really funny, but I think the reason I give it a four is that there are some things I still wonder about because mm -hmm. it is shorter, like what we were just discussing. Where, yeah, like the motivation and it just, and a little bit, it felt a little bit um, incomplete when it mm -hmm. ended. Because you're literally just like... It ended very quickly. Huh? But I also think it was my own... Like user error, yeah. <laughs> not understanding that they all were together, like that kind of stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, solid four, excellent book, would recommend. Truth. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would also give it a four. I was already going to do that before <laughs> you guys said four. Um. <laughs> and I think it's just like you guys already said. It's just. I think with Shakespeare, you, like, almost want more meat. But I will say I liked the fact that it was a happy ending. And that's probably, like, non-Shakespearean of me because he, like, is really good at tragedy. But, you know, sometimes you just don't want people to kill, like, to die and, like, die needlessly mm -hmm. because everyone in a play are stupid, like in Romeo and Juliet. And they should have just all gotten along, but yeah, I was mad about that ending. I was like, "This is stupid." Remember yeah, I was mad. I think you and the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that is a Midsummer's Night Dream. Midsummer Nights. I yeah, just right? said that wrong. A Midsummer Nights Dream. There you go. I hope you enjoyed our conversation on A Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. We really loved pushing ourselves with this book and laughing along with all the craziness of it. Next month, Susie picked for us to read The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Hopefully that'll be out in a few weeks to get us back on schedule. Until then, bye friends. <laughs>